Thank you for joining Mind Your Brain, a podcast of meaningful workshops to improve the quality of life for those affected by brain injury. Our goal is to give you tools and tips to empower you to invest in your recovery. Today, we are going to draw attention to a personal story about challenges brain injury survivors encounter on their road to recovery. It's called Hope Survives. My name is Candace Gant. I'm a brain injury survivor and founder of Mind Your Brain at Penn Medicine and the executive director of the Mind Your Brain Nonprofit Foundation. I'm also a board member of the Brain Injury Association of Pennsylvania. Today, I'm going to talk with Christabel Braden, a TBI survivor and an award-winning singer, songwriter, a keynote speaker, and author. Christabel's music tells her story with a strong message of survival, faith, and never-give-up attitude. It is a pleasure to have you on our show and so looking forward to the inspiration you will well up in our listeners' hearts. I have had the pleasure of working with you on many advocacy projects for this vulnerable population, and I know your accident has brought a new meaning to your life. Thank you for joining us today, Christabel. Thank you so much for having me. So can we start out, please share with our listeners how it all began, how your journey began. Yeah, absolutely. My first TBI happened in December 2007. And my first, my first TBI was actually from an accident playing the game Red Rover at my church's youth group. So brain injuries can happen in a lot of different ways. Sometimes they happen from car accidents. Sometimes they happen from a stroke or an aneurysm or a fall, or sometimes they happen from sports. And mine happened from a accident during a game. So it's a running game. And when it was my turn to run, all the boys on my team pulled a prank and ran behind me and rushed the other team. And I ended up hitting my head on the cement wall and my head bounced off the floor and I was unconscious. We don't actually know how long, but I actually seemed like fine that night. The adults didn't call my parents and tell them anything happened. And I got sent home with the carpool. And one of the things with brain injuries is the symptoms don't always show up right away with concussions or TBIs. And it's really hard when it's an invisible injury because I didn't have, my skull didn't break. You know, I seemed okay. I was 14 and it turned out that my brain was swelling. So I didn't have a bump on my head, which is what normally would happen when someone would hit their head instead of there being a bump on my head and the pressure being relieved outside of my skull, there was no bump that swelled, but it was my brain that swelled. So a couple of days later, my brain kept getting worse and worse. And again, we didn't know anything about brain injuries. You know, when you have a TBI for the first time or a family member has a concussion, like you don't really know about it until it happens to you or until it happens to someone you know. So we didn't know what was happening. And 
my symptoms progressed to the point where I couldn't even stand up straight. I couldn't walk straight. My vision was all blurred. I couldn't hold conversations. And I really struggled with um, my emotions, like being able to control my emotions. My vocabulary started to go away. And I had aphasia. My short-term memory got so bad. I wouldn't even remember that morning. And I don't even remember the first year after the TBI. I've just been told what happened. And so that's kind of how the journey began. And over the years, I've been re-injured. I've had multiple more concussions, mostly due to balance problems with like, I fell down the stairs. I've slipped on the ice in the winter and one time I got a concussion, I didn't even hit my head, but I jarred my body so bad that my brain bounced in my skull. And you don't realize that you don't even have to hit your head to have a concussion necessarily. Any kind of intense jarring to your body can cause your brain to hit the inside of your skull and cause a concussion. And so it's been a really long road of trying to figure out the right therapies, trying to figure out the right treatments, trying to figure out what direction to take, and also the emotional journey of living with a disability and living with a new normal and trying to navigate the world. So Christabel, tell me, so you were in school when this happened. Tell us a little bit about what that looked like in high school and your career, your future. How How did that impact your life at that young age? So it really impacted everything. Before my TBI, I was really advanced academically. So I was ahead a grade. I got put ahead in school. So I was 14, but I was in 10th grade. So I was already looking at colleges and trying to figure out, you know, what my next steps were. I was one of the top ranked students in my class. And... I was involved in a lot of clubs and extracurriculars, and I really, I really felt like I wanted to be an attorney, and I really wanted to, you know, maybe go to an Ivy League school and study law, and I had like all these dreams, and then after my brain injury, I, I struggled with everything, like school became so challenging just trying to read a a page. It's like I would read the first couple sentences. And then by the time I got to the end of the page, I forgot what it said at the beginning of the page. And it was really hard because I used to be a really good reader and I would really feel discouraged on myself. And it's been a really tough journey of trying to navigate that. I really really feel for students who've had brain injuries in school. And I really want to help them to know, like, you're not alone if you're struggling in school after a concussion or after a TBI, like, you know, I needed to use accommodations and uh, I had an IEP that got put in place afterwards. A lot of the other students in the school made fun of me and I got bullied after my TBI It was so bad that my parents, we actually moved to a different state. We moved to Pennsylvania. I grew up in Delaware and we moved to Pennsylvania because 
I needed a new environment and I repeated a grade in school. So I did it over again in a new school. And, but I was so afraid the kids were going to make fun of me. I didn't really want them to know I had a TBI. So I was trying to hide it. It took me a while to learn how to accept it and to be proud of being a survivor. But at the time I really struggled. And so Pennsylvania has a much better special education. Well, I don't want to say better, but yeah, it was better for me. Um, Indeed. There, there's a lot more resources available in PA being a much larger state. And so I was able to go to a school that had a really good special education program. And I had a caseworker teacher that I met with every day for one period a day. And they had a class called study skills for the students who had IEPs. And we would spend a whole class period meeting with our teacher. She would teach us how to write in our agenda, help us keep a track of our assignments. And that one-on-one attention really helped me to progress. So Christopher, it's a heart-wrenching story, and especially about the bullying. That really touches my heart as a mom. Your parents must have been so challenged and, and it must have hurt to see you struggle during this time, especially in your, at, at a young tender age, I'll say. How did your parents handle this as caregivers? How were they able to support you? So my mom was basically became my 24-hour caregiver. She had stopped working and she was taking care of me instead. Um, And I really needed that because earlier on, like I needed help the way that a young child needs help. I needed that 24-hour attention. Like she would have to help me in the bathroom and help me getting dressed and help me with taking showers and everything. And you would look at me on the outside and hold a conversation with me for five minutes and maybe think, oh, she's doing great. And people would think, you know, you look like you're doing great. But it was like every moment was a challenge and I had to relearn a lot of like common sense skills. Like I would forget to look for cars when I had crossed the street, things like that. Like I would just be so hyper-focused on the task at hand that I couldn't focus on anything else around me. So yeah, my parents really, um, it really shifted the dynamics in our family. It affected my siblings. Brain injuries affect the whole family. It doesn't just affect the person. And so it definitely was a challenge. They went through all of their savings accounts paying for my treatments. Um, And, you know, my mom didn't know that hospitals had payment plans. She thought you had to pay everything outright. And so like they really went through all their savings and everything to, they were glad they had savings, but it was like college fund and stuff, you know? So they went through all of that on my treatment. So it was really, it affects you financially. It affects emotionally. It affects physically. Brain injuries affect everything. So Christabel, tell me what, when did you turn the corner? Because you speak well and you, you just have so much going for you now. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. What was the turning point? Thank you. So I don't know if it's one turning point, you know, you said, when did you turn the corner? I think it was a lot more of like a gradual, many different corners. 
<laughs> I don't think it was one corner yep. that it turned. I think it was, um, I think it's a lot of little things over a long period of time gradually because recovery from brain injury, it's not something that's like linear. It doesn't all happen in order and it doesn't all happen, you know, like it's not like you have a brain injury and then you just get better and better and better over time. Like there are a lot of setbacks. There's a lot of challenges, new challenges that will come. Like even last year I had a new type of, of symptom that I'd never had before in over 10 years. I had a uh, vestibular migraine and it presented like a stroke. And so like one side of my body, my, all my speech went away. I like was slurring everything. Like half of my face drooped. I couldn't move one of my arms, like everything on one side of my body got all like messed up. And my parent, my, my mom took me to the ER and they, you know, they thought I was having a stroke and they pulled me back right away and they were treating me. And then I started started to slowly come out of it and they did an MRI just to make sure and everything like that. But it turned out it was a vestibular type migraine. I think it might be called a hemoplegic migraine, but I'm not 100% sure because I mix up words in my head sometimes. So don't take my word for that. But it was like a brand new thing that had never happened before. And, you know, it's like, wow, the brain is so complex and there's always new challenges. So back to your original question, when was the turning point? I do think it's gradually over time. For me, actually a very huge part of a turning point in my recovery was going to the new school and having that special ed caseworker. Her name was Mrs. Elliot. She I think is the number one reason she was a blessing from God in terms of like being able to help me be able to go to college every day for two years. I met with her one-on-one -on -one in school. She taught me how to buy lunch in the cafeteria. Like I didn't, the whole first time when I went to the new school, I packed my lunch cause I was too afraid. I would get overwhelmed in the school cafeteria. I couldn't wait in the lines or pick out the food or, you know, things like you don't think about when you don't have a TBI became really overwhelming. And during the class period before lunch, the first day I was going to buy lunch, you know, my mom talked to her and she walked me through it. We went to the cafeteria. She introduced me to some of the ladies that worked in the cafeteria and told like introduced me to the workers and showed me the different lines and the different options. And then when it was lunch period, she came and watched and made sure I was okay when I would, and I picked out my lunch and I went and purchased it. And then I went and sat down and ate it and she made sure I was okay. And that's just the level of help that she brought to me. She was really creative in the sense that she knew it wasn't just about academics with my TBI, that it was also about interacting and figuring out how to buy lunch and things like that. And so working with Mrs. Elliott in school, um, she was my IEP caseworker. That made a huge difference in my confidence. And during that time, I started to accept my brain injury and I started to tell other people about it and I started to be more open. And then when my senior year came, I decided to apply for some colleges and 
my mom was like, oh no, like, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this, but. Trying to be encouraging, but at the same time being protective. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so I applied to a school that was very close to my house in case I would live at home and commute to classes. Um, But I also applied to a couple colleges that were farther away. I did not apply to any large schools. Every school I applied to had around 3,000 students or less because that was important. And even with my TBI, with the accommodations, I was able to get pretty good grades. So I was offered some scholarships. The school I went to was called Lebanon Valley College. They have like 1,600 undergrad students and about 25% of the students that go there have disabilities. They, they're, it's a very small campus. It had one dining hall so I wouldn't have to make decisions on where I was going to eat. Only one road went through campus and there was like no traffic. So it was a very safe environment. And I also got a scholarship for a musician with disability, which was something they had that was extra offered there. And so it just was a really good fit. And I was actually able to go away to college. My first year at school, I came back home a lot on weekends. My parents would come and pick me up. I never got my driver's license, by the way. I still don't have it. But going to college and living on campus in in that environment, one of my accommodations, they had an ADA compliant dorm at that school. And so it had, um, it was 100% wheelchair accessible. It had an elevator, so I didn't have to worry about my balance on the steps. And the dorm had single rooms. And so I never had to have a roommate in college because um, that would have been hard with my TBI in being able to go and rest anytime I needed to rest. And all my classes had like professors that worked with us one-on-one. Like my biggest class was 25 students. There were not any large lecture halls. So by going to a very small school, a small liberal arts college, I was able to go to college, but it was not your typical hundred students in a lecture hall, every kid fend for themselves environment. It was definitely a good environment that I needed. The um, special ed, or not special ed, what do they call in college? Accommodations, um, disability services lady. She was a TBI survivor herself. So <laughs> she was, she understood. And so I, I believe like there was just God's hand in every little thing because I was able to go away to college and I struggled. I had multiple concussions again during college, but it really helped me to grow and stretch. And um, after college, I moved back home and I still live at home with my parents. I still don't have a driver's license, but I've been able to focus on the things that I can do rather than the things I can't. And I think for any survivor, in order to not get depressed because I I struggled with depression heavily. I struggled with hopelessness. That's why I have an album called Hope Survives because I know what it's like to not have hope. I don't want people to feel like that. And one of the things is you have to focus on the things that you can do. So what are your passions? What are you interested in? For me, it was music. I started to write songs after my brain injury. I never wrote songs before it happened. And so I would focus on songs. I studied music in college. I focused on the things that I cared about, the things that 
brought me joy. And I didn't worry about the fact that before my TBI, I was really good at math. And afterwards I struggled with addition. <laughs> I just kind of, I was in calculus like before, like I was really good at math and afterwards I was not. And I didn't let that get me down. I just said, you know what? That's just not something that's going to be part of my life anymore. And I'm going to focus on other things. So Christabel, I, you're such an inspiration. This, these challenges you've had. Can you tell our listeners, they'll be excited to know as I am, about your career after college and what you're doing now. It, it's so fulfilling and so passionate of a, of a mission that you have to help this population. And how are you doing that? Tell everyone yeah. that so, the second chapter. Yeah. So um, like I said about the turning point, it's gradual. Everything that I'm doing now, it's all been a gra- gradual. It's been a little bit at a time. I began after I finished college, I moved back home and I was singing. And part of the story that I kind of skipped over was like, I started singing and sharing songs and I started to do like shows like at different churches and coffee houses. And so people would always ask me like, oh, like, I'd love to have your CD. And I was like, why would I make a CD? Like, that was just not on my radar. I just like to sing. And people would ask me to share my story and my songs. And so that kind of grew more after college. And I started getting invited to a lot more places. I started putting videos online. I put up a video called You Look Fine, The Struggle of an Invisible Injury. And it started to get shared so much. It has like over a hundred thousand views. And I didn't think anybody was going to see it when I put it up. I just kind of had something to say. And I had less than 100 people on my Hope After Head Injury page on Facebook. It just started as a Facebook page and a Twitter page. And then now the you're video got success. The video got shared and I got my first invitation to speak at a brain injury conference. And I was like, why would I do that? Like, I'm not qualified. I just put up a video, but I started to get invitations to speak at brain injury conferences. And I started to realize that I could use my voice to make a difference. Like I used to not be able to speak this clearly. And I know it's a gift to be able to communicate because I had lost a lot of that. So I began to realize that I could use my voice to make a difference. And it's been little by little. I started to speak at different conferences. I continued doing concerts. I started to seek out singing at brain injury support groups because I really just loved being able to connect and sing songs that I would write about having a brain injury and help bring people hope. And so that spread and I started to travel all over the country singing and sharing songs and that it's just grown over time. And so now I am a singer songwriter. I still put out new music. I, well, in 2020 with COVID, I've not been doing concerts, but I had a bunch of things that were canceled, but, um, you know, doing concerts, singing, and also working with the BIAPA to do advocacy work. That's also where I've connected with Candace quite a bit. We would travel to the state capitol to advocate as well as to Washington, D.C. to advocate for brain injury. And 
it, yeah, it's just gone little by little, step by step. I have a podcast now. It's called Declaration Life. And on that podcast, I interview women who've gone through different things in their life and to share inspiring life stories. And we talk about faith and we talk about how to live your life intentionally. And I really, I've interviewed a lot of brain injury survivors on there as well. And I think that it's important to choose how you live your life because every day is a gift, especially after a CBI, every day is a gift. And so we can make intentional choices to get up and eat food that fuels our body and, you know, choose to do the things that we're passionate about and the things that bring us joy. And I think that's huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Christabel, and I'll have to brag a little bit too, you've gone back to school. So yeah. tell, us, tell us about that new adventure. So it's been five years since I graduated from college and I was so nervous. Like I never thought I'd be able to pursue higher education, like a master's level program. Cause my undergrad program was so hard for me with my concussions. Like I just remember struggling every day with my homework assignments and I would always use my extended time on assignments and tests. And it was like a constant it was really hard. It was really hard for me. And so I always had this desire to someday pursue like a master's degree program in ministry, but I never thought I was capable of it with my brain injury. And this year I really felt like I just had this realization that I kept thinking maybe someday, maybe someday, maybe someday I'll be able to do this. And I thought, why not now? And I prayed about it and I felt like God was just leading me and that he would strengthen me through it. So I applied to an online program and originally the program I had applied for and I was accepted for was I applied to the shortest program they had because I was like, I, I don't have confidence in myself. I like, I want to do this, but I don't know if I can. And so I applied to their shortest program. It was a master's of arts program. It was 30 credit hours through the first semester. I enjoyed my classes so much taking like one to two classes at a time and being at home was a very different experience than being overwhelmed in undergrad. I've also grown and healed. And so I switched my degree program and now I'm pursuing a master's of divinity in biblical studies and it'll take me over two years, but it's, it's one of the longest programs they have. Um, but I, I'm really excited and I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's not easy, but at the same time, like I'm realizing with the TBI, like I'm more capable of things than I thought I was. Like, it just depends where I put my focus. So I learn, I have a certain amount of brain en energy in this day. What's my highest priority? What do I have to get done today? What could wait till tomorrow? And I put my highest priority thing first when my brain is more refreshed. And then I put the lower priority things later because I could always wait until later. And it's just a matter of deciding what's important to you. Now, since I've been in school, I've not been able to post on Hope After Head Injury as much. You know, there are other things that I just don't have the ability to do, 
but I think it's okay to, I've had to learn to give myself grace and it's okay to not do everything. That's just beautiful. You're such an inspiration to me. And I know I've, been, I've listened to your music and I'm, and it has really been a gift to get to know you and know your story and celebrate with you all your accomplishments. I, thank you so much, Candice. Thank you, Christabel, for being with us and, and for your work and your compassionate heart to this vulnerable population. Please subscribe to our podcast and share it with others. There are millions that still struggle that you could help by providing this information. You can be a partner with us and follow us on Instagram and learn more about the mission of Mind Your Brain and be an advocate and a voice for the invisible population. You can make a difference in the world. And to our listeners out there, I wish to give you a big virtual hug and tell you, you are not invisible. We see you.